this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thanks for joining us today for Ted Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Mark Wright. Mark Wright is a trusted risk health and safety professional committed to preventing harm and enabling high levels of performance. Mark is the Managing Director of FIFO Consulting and the Health and Safety Index. His career has included work as non-executive director, several senior leadership positions, and work in over 15 countries across mining, oil and gas, facilities management, construction, and utilities. Hey, Mark, uh, thank you for being on TED Speaks today with us. No, look, thank you. It's great connecting with different people from, um, you know, other parts of the globe. Yeah, you know, uh, to have you on from uh, Sydney, Australia, and, and for you to get up so early, because I, we didn't realize when we were scheduling this that there was such a big difference in hours. So appreciate you getting up uh, bright and early here, uh, one day in front of us, and you can tell yeah. us what the future looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> hey, uh, Mark, can you kind of tell a little bit of background about you and your organization um, before we get started? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I've um, been um, in and out of organisations in corporate roles, both in Australia and and overseas for a number of years. And about four years ago, I started up my own consulting business and now have a really great team of consultants in most capital cities across Australia. And about two years ago, we we launched a a product called the Health and Safety Index, which is an online tool that enables organisations to get better insights through survey with what their uh, people are thinking and feeling. Yeah, and kind of to get us started, what are some the best ways to measure health and safety? Let's just start there before we get into some of the other things. Because that that's one, I think, thing that a lot of our listeners are looking at all over, right? It's like, how do we measure our success and our failures? You know, other than leading indicators, a little bit obviously are, are important, but the IR incident rates and stuff like that just, just aren't doing it because a lot of the times those are lagging indicators. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, many organisations are, are, are using lag indicators and I think rightly so, there's, there's a place for them. But certainly as organisations and industry become more mature um, and they're having less injuries, so the, the validity of, you know, one injury as a frequency rate just, you know, just blows out the stats and really isn't overly valid. And, and often drives the wrong behavior. Yeah, and your insurance rates that go along with that one injury, you know, they can can really goof everything up. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, people are starting to understand that um, the, the lag indicators and often are, are driving under-reporting or the wrong behavior. So the, the this concept of lead indicators and, and, and even predictive metrics um, to be able to predict the future Mm-hmm. Given that we're in Australia, you said that we we understand what the future looks like. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're you're already ahead of us. So, <laughs> um, you, you know, the, this concept of predictive analytics and things like this is becoming more and more relevant. So, I think what we tend to work with organisations is, you know, survey is obviously one component using the health and safety index, but I think using a, a good balanced scorecard often helps. So, more mature organisations are moving from counting the number of activities to looking at. Uh, of quality rather than quantity. They're starting to look at better ways to deploy and track their strategic actions. The analogy I often like to use is if you're, you're driving a car, you want to know where you're going. You need to know the destination, where you want to play. The indicators on the dashboard, they're just indicators, right? So if you get too caught up in the numbers, you're going to lose track of your destination. So I think being really clear on your strategy and how you deploy that's important. And Moving towards understanding what the critical few are rather than trying to do everything at once and then having some sort of research-based, evidence-based tool to be able to get feedback at scale often helps too. Kind of break it down piece by piece. And like you said, you can tell people what they need to do, but if you can't prove results or show where you're going or the direction, then it doesn't seem quite as meaningful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you put your, your, your safety hat down for a second, and if you, you, you're the finance guy or if you're working for a, a venture capital organization, often you're not relying on one metric to be able to make strategic choices, right? So I think from a safety perspective, you can't just rely on your, your one injury frequency rate to make decisions. You need a nice balanced scorecard to determine what's working, what needs to change and, you know, how to make the right choices. Yeah. Yeah, and determining that, right, with with the right information and, and, and knowing what it is. Do you feel every company might have their own little uh, different unique ways of measuring things? Definitely. I mean, there's certainly some, some industry uh, norms out there. And I think as organizations start to better understand and, and go at the maturity curve, they're, they're getting a better handle on what their unique risks are, what uh, effective controls look like for their organizations, and understanding how to, to verify that those critical controls are actually working often is unique to, to each organization. Can you tell us a little bit more um, specifically about Health and Safety Index and how it's unique to this situation? Yeah, right. So the backstory around the Health and Safety Index is um, I was going in and out of organizations um, and they're asking me to provide feedback on their employee engagement surveys, which is often a, a great way to better understand employee engagement. And safety was usually tacked on the end as a bit of a token question. Um, <laughs> one example is um, I was in an organisation and they had one safety question at the end of the, their survey and it's, it was something along the lines of, is safety a priority to you? And of course, you know, most people tick yes um, and they got 100%. So 
not overly valid um, or, 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 or reliable <laughs> or yeah. meaningful. So, um, all depends well, how you're looking at it, right? <laughs> From more perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So not, not really helping you make choices at the end of the day. So my wife was working with Google at the time as a HR director and she said one day, you know, you need to stop complaining about this and do something about it. So <laughs> now that, that's, what, that's what we've done. Um, we've created a health and safety survey that also incorporates employee engagement. And even more broadly than that, we're, we're capturing things like mental health and wellbeing. Um, which is very topical for a lot of organisations and teams uh, at the moment. So we've created a, a what we we call a health and safety uh, index. So not just covers safety, but health and safety. Right. And um, we partnered with a PhD from Murdoch Uni here in Australia. So it took us a lot of time going back and forth to get the, the statistical reliability to a certain level, which allows organisations to have confidence. So when they go back time and time again or comparing themselves to some other external organisations that there's a certain level of um, confidence in, in what they're getting. So in 10 minutes, organisations can send out a survey and, and get feedback from their whole workforce and supply chain if they decide to use it with their contractors and suppliers. Yeah, that sounds like an interesting concept. So safety reports can do that, but what Health and Safety Index does with that is the employee engagement and surveys. I, I feel like that could be utilised quite a bit. I know you do that, you know, with yeah, I mean, that, job sites. And you such. know, you're looking at, you're really trying to build that culture. Is what right. we're talking about right here, Mark, you know, and, and trying to build that culture and make sure that, that we're going about it the right way. And I think what you offer um, probably is kind of seeing what the trends are within that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So we've got um, a bunch of questions in there around um, behaviors, practices, um, and, and workplace observations. So we're getting a bit of a, a sense check on what the values are like for the organization what the leadership behaviours are like, and often there is a disconnect between what senior leaders are seeing um, and the front line. Well, that, um, that, that happens <laughs> everywhere. It really does. You know, it's it's something yeah. we joke about, but it's you know when when you talk to the CEOs and when you talk to them, you think everything's perfect, and then you get out in the field and you realize things aren't aren't that way. We see that a lot, at least here in the United States. I do. How about you? Do you see that a lot in, uh, more broader in the in the world? Yeah, for sure. And look. The results speak for themselves with the health and safety index. And I think it's probably a natural thing, to be honest, because there's often um, a few layers, depending on the size of the organisation, between the front line and the senior leaders or board. So for them to get visibility of what's happening in the front line, it is, it is hard. Um, it really is. So, But we ask simple questions like, you know, are senior leaders having effective, effective safety conversations and, you know, the disconnect between that question is like light and day often, you know. <laughs> um, senior leaders think they are, but, you know, the, the front line, you know, they're just not seeing the visibility often of senior leaders out in the field having effective safety conversations. And if we can arm um, the senior leaders with the right questions based on, um, you know, what the need is within the organisation, that's often a, a really simple step that people can take to be able to ask good effective conversations as part of learning their role as, you know, a senior leader or a board member. Do you find that um, when you do these and you get them back and the, the president or whoever goes, these, these, these aren't right, do you, do you ever get that, that you, you guys don't know what you're doing, obviously, because, you know, do you, do you get that kind of pushback sometimes? Oh, yeah, well, often. Okay. Um, 
And we, we work with a, a, um, a range of organisations and, you know, at one extreme, it's like we don't want to do a survey because we don't want to hear bad news. Yeah, <laughs> um, no news is good news. Right, I can see that, yeah. And then in the middle, it's like disputing uh, the numbers. And one of the things that we, we do as part of the surveys, we ask open questions too, you know, what people, um, what the organisation should uh, keep doing, stop and start doing, and we break that down. So... Now, as we present the data, you can see often see a, a strong relationship between what the numbers are saying and what the people are saying. And so sometimes the commentary is quite funny um, and we need to remove some of the expletives, but um, the people in the front line often understand what's going on and because it's anonymous, people usually call a spade a spade. So, you know, you just need to, to, to cop it sometimes and, and suck it up and take on board the feedback and, and, and try and work with the organization to move on to, to, to try and improve. Well, and if the organization really does truly care and want to improve, then good feedback, bad feedback, they have to be willing to take that. And I would think that with the health and safety index, you know, where you might get a little resistance, like you said, you, you also have data. And sometimes it's hard to argue numbers when you've done the research. So I would think that that makes it a little bit easier to walk into a place and be confident about what, you know, what you found. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's a well-respected Professor Hopkins who talks about um, high-performing cultures, uh, a, a cultures that allow information to flow up and down the organisation seamlessly, both good and bad information. So right. I think, you know, if you're willing to put your hand up and get feedback and then act on that in a timely manner, that speaks volumes. You know, one of the things that we often suggest to people before they even start as part of the communication plan is you know, get your senior leaders ready to get out and actually walk the talk. So when the results are presented, we can say, okay, we've taken on board your feedback and this is what I've done in the last seven days, 10 days as part of being a leader to demonstrate that we're listening and actively listening and doing something about it. Sharing that communication about what that we're moving forward with it, right? I mean, that's probably really key, I would think, to that. You have the information and stuff like that. Now, this is what we're doing. This is how we're communicating. This is where we're going to move forward. That leadership part comes in into effect now, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. So the, nothing worse is actually could do more harm than good if you, you know, ask someone to go out of their way to actually give feedback and you do nothing with it. Right. Um, or if you don't act on it in a timely manner, that, that actually can be even more frustrating for the workers. I think we both nod our heads because some of the clients that we try to help and Ted's out there, if you don't do anything with what you found and if you don't communicate and you're not willing to share, it really is a waste of time. But it's kind of like doing it just to say you've done it, but if you don't pass it along and share your wealth, what good does it really do? So sometimes that's just hard for people to realize, you know, that you, you need to pass it on, so... Yeah, for sure. And being vulnerable, right? So right. as a leader, putting your hand up saying, hey, you know, I don't get it right um, all the time. Well, you know, there's different parts of the organisation are performing um, better or worse than others. You know, it's it's a, uh, just being honest with yourself. And um, we also try and uh, focus on the positives too. So using a solution-focused approach. So often the best change comes about from working on what's working uh, well. So if you really want to generate change, you know, recognizing good performance and leveraging some of those things that are working well to help other parts of your business that may not be working as well. So often organizations don't or people don't like being told that they're, they're doing poorly or um, even being told what to do. So, you know, if you can provide you know, some positive recognition along the way, that often goes a long way as well. 
Yeah, there's nothing like a pat on the back. They may not say that at the time, but boy, they really appreciate that and, and, and following through like you, you said. Question I have for you, Mark. You know, we talked about one set, you know, of, uh, of the CEO or, or whatever being kind of protective of the information. What about on the other side of the, of the spectrum where you might have an employee who's just not that happy to be there? They pretty much would do anything to make the company look a little bit bad. Do you run into that often? And, yeah. and is there a way that you can, you know, kind of filter that out a little bit maybe? Because there are those in, in, in the companies. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. So we, we've got ways of determining if someone's um, answered the, the survey more than once, not based on their name but on, on, on other data. Um, and we also um, have got um, a way of understanding how quickly they've um, completed the survey. So, you know, if they're completing a world record time in 37 seconds, we know that they really haven't read the questions um, and they're just, you know, straight lining it. Or if someone's score, scoring 100% right across the board, well, you know, we've got business rules that we're very open with that we just exclude that um, data from the data set. Just going back to the name health and safety index, how you said, you know, health and safety, health is very important. And you mentioned mental health too. And I think mm. the world, the last few years, people are realizing that that people are at their jobs so many days a week that you really do have to sometimes look at that. And how have, how have you made that more of a constant in what you do or the surveys that you produce? Yeah, look, that's a good question. So the four aspects of the survey um, are health and wellbeing, safety engagement, so those organisational factors that we spoke about, um, safety leadership, so individual behaviours, and, and safety systems from a user experience perspective. You know, do they have access to the right tools, information, user-friendly procedures, etc. So looking at those four things um, in a uh, integrated way, we can better understand um, you know what time pressures are having. Uh, what impact time pressures are having on organisations or you know, what other job demands are around bullying um, or other things that are happening in the organisation uh, are impacting, you know, be it through um, organisational design or actions of, of individuals um, and their leadership styles. So um, we use what is commonly called the job demand, um, job resource model. So often where there's a a mismatch between job demands and job resources as an impact on the worker, be that their engagement, um, their sleep, their mental health. So, you know, it doesn't um, matter how resilient someone is um, or, 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 or the, the resources they have, if the job demands, whatever that demand is, is um, off the charts, you know, everyone's got a, a tipping point or a breaking point. Um, so, you know, we, we try and um, ask or we have asked and design questions in a way so we can better understand both job demands and resources to, to help organizations make those decisions. Yeah, that's very good. And I think in the industry of safety and then whatever it is, construction or what have you, the time sensitivity seems to be always a big push. And obviously that can be good and bad. And I can see where that can wear on people physically oh, and yeah. mentally. You just the hear fatigue. about that so much, get it done, get it done. You know, it's so time sensitive. Mm. So any thoughts on that? I'm sure you see that all the time. Yeah, for sure. So um, we actually ran um, some, some data as part of a conference that we were speaking at around contractor safety and contractor safety performance through the index was relatively good. Uh, apart from three or four areas, um, and one of those areas was was time pressure, um, 
and um, subsequently taking shortcuts. So, you know, often as a contractor, you know, you're brought in, um, you either have some sort of specialist skill set or it's some sort of short-term activity where, you know, you're literally zipping in and zipping out. Um, And and often the the commercial arrangements are the faster you go, the the more you're rewarded. Um, So, but by nature, contractors often um, are rushing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, and we're we're seeing that through the the, the survey results as well. So, um, you know, the, the questions that people then ask themselves is why are they rushing? Um, is it a commercial driver? Is it um, someone cracking the whip? You know, saying that production is way more important than safety, hundred percent of the time, or or whatever it might be. Um, you know, often rushing and those sorts of things lead to to behaviours that aren't necessarily desired. Yeah, very true. Well, yeah, I think that's such a big important part of it. So it's it's great to hear that this uh, survey, the Health and Safety Index, touches on that too. I just have a question. I know that um, you said you've worked in, is it like 15 countries in different industries and such? Is safety viewed differently depending on where you are? Do you have to adjust it or is safety safety and it's the same everywhere? Well, look, safety is different in one organisation, let alone looking at different right. continents <laughs> and, and that's, countries. Yeah, so, that's true. Very true. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think um, you know, when we designed the Health and Safety Index, you know, we designed it so it wasn't looking at process, it wasn't an audit, it wasn't looking at legislation, so it doesn't have any boundaries, okay. uh, geographical boundaries. Yeah. In saying that, uh, as you sort of indicated, um, regardless of what the answers are, what you do with that information is going to be very different depending on your organization, um, the level of maturity. So, you know, we, we work with, um, well, I've worked in um, developing countries and the approach that you take um, with a developing country is very, very different to, you know, a Rio Tinto or a, a BHP. So you just need to right size your effort depending on not only the maturity but where people actually want to be. There's no point sort of shooting for the stars if you're, you know, you, you're quite happy or you're, you're at, at a stage where your basic compliance is okay. Um, and then there's obviously... They, they may just want to be compliant, right? I mean, they just want to fit the, you know, that that, that could be one level, you know, too. They're kind right? of happy where they're at. They right, just yeah, want to being, stay consistent. Yeah, being happy with just being average, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, with the consulting business we operate in, be it the, the development of systems or the auditing of systems, you know, often what we ask is, you know, where do you want to play, level one to five? And most people don't say five. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to use a sledgehammer to crack a nut sometimes is not, not really required. So I think you just need to I be like a, bit, that, yeah. a bit pragmatic around where, where you are and where you want to be um, and just get it right. You know, if you're a really small organisation you're developing, you know, if, you, if you're trying to be too sophisticated, it actually could do more harm than good. So the health and safety index is adaptable, and then what people do with that information varies, obviously. So what you do with the information is adaptable. Um, the flexibility of the health and safety index is that we can put in um, individual demographic data okay. or organizational demographic data, so then you can understand results across different business units, geographies, positions that are unique to your organization. Um, but we do have benchmark questions, so they, they don't change. But we can add in as many other questions as you like in addition to that. Often organisations don't put in too many because it makes the survey too long. Yeah. But there is some flexibility in there, but um, we try and keep those benchmark questions uh, the same. So, you know, 
when we start to compare results, we're comparing apples with apples. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the conversation. It, I think it, it's a wealth of information and it sounds like a great tool to utilize. Well, I think any, any organization that may be listening to this uh, can, can see that the benefits of, of your organization, Mark, are, are building your culture, finding out exactly where your culture are versus guessing. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm getting from, from our conversation today is that you can really help organizations find where they are culturally and so they know which way to go. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, often we find hotspots within organizations that are working better than others. So then you can make the right decisions and deploy your resources where it matters most. Well, and you're also taking care of a lot of the bias, you know, because you're going to have bias sometimes in there. You know, if I'm working in a company, I'm very proud of this safety program. It's, it's working good and great and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden the results come back and you're like, Ooh, well, ugh. maybe, maybe it's not right. I mean, and that's kind of what, what your organization does for for companies. A little eye opener. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And often, um, when you're in a senior leadership position, numbers speak volumes, right? So, um, when you're talking about culture, it's quite ambiguous. Um, and it's very difficult to, to touch and see. So if you can sort of translate that into a number that people can relate to, that, that's often really meaningful. Well, and, and, and you can relate it to the ROI of the company, right? And I think that's probably really, really where, what you can do with yours is because, hey, you know, this is what we need to do. This is why we need to get there. And I think the leadership can say, oh, well, there, there is a benefit for us if we do it this way. Uh, and these are where we're, where we're deficient. And if we get better at this, we can improve this, you know? So I, I think it's really a win-win. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. So I think um, often we'll suggest to organisations to do it on an annual basis to align with their planning cycle. So, you know, a few months out from developing their strategy, you know, run a survey, better understand where the performance is at. So you can get those results along with other inputs to, to help make those right choices as you're developing the strategy. And then you can use that as part of your deployment too. So as you're going out to the troops and rolling out any sort of initiatives or, or, or tracking your um, your key result areas, you can you can better understand where to focus and where to really focus your attention. Sounds good. Well, great. Well, Mark, we want to thank you, Barb and I, for uh, being on TED Speaks today um, and sharing your information about your organization with others. And so I just want to thank you on there. But as you know, right now is uh, probably one of my favorite parts of these shows is asking uh, you for your comments on some of our Hilarious jokes, by the way. But <laughs> I, before I get started with this one, what I want to do is really ask you, what is your best safety dad joke? Because we are uh, a family-friendly uh, <laughs> podcast. How's that? Do you, do, you have a good, do you have a good joke for us today? Uh, classic. So if my teenage <laughs> daughter heard me say this, she'd kill me. Oh, no. Um, oh, often my daughter, um, Amelia, tells me that my jokes are very cringy. So cringy. how about I pick out them? the most cringy dad joke? <laughs> For all of the, the safety professionals out there, they can relate onto their um, <laughs> their, uh, their their children, and um, hopefully they can get the same result. But um, you know, a, a good safety joke is you know uh, the question is why would you not use a barbecue grill on your roof? Why would you not use a barbecue grill on your roof? Mm. I'm really bad at jokes, actually. So Does it have know. anything to do with a kangaroo? <laughs> <laughs> what no, is it? Yeah, what is it? The stakes are too high. Oh. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. That's actually very good. You might have trumped our jokes, but I'm going to give mine a shot, and then Ted has one. What do you call it when you cook meat from the front of a kangaroo? You should know it probably. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, see, we, we got you on this one. We looked it up especially for you. What do you call it when you cook meat from the front of a kangaroo? Uh, you've got me. A hot Come. pocket. <laughs> a hot <laughs> pocket. <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay, one more. All right. What do you call a cantaloupe that is swimming in a pool? What do you call a cantaloupe that is swimming <laughs> in the pool? If I could only talk, that would help this a lot. <laughs> Tell me. A watermelon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We're here all week. <laughs> a watermelon. Oh. Uh, oh, great. Thanks for putting okay. up with that. Yes, thank you for putting up. And thank you for sharing all your information with all our uh, listeners and now viewers, too. So that's pretty exciting for us. Um, how would somebody get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you and your organization, Mark? Yeah, look, jump on our website, um, healthandsafetyindex.com.au. There's lots of resources there. We've got blogs and downloads and uh, reach out. There's uh, email addresses there. Send us an email and, yeah, more than happy to, to try and share learning, too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us so early. We appreciate it. Yes. And now we've expanded even more into the world. Yeah. Uh, You're our Barb, first guest so. from Australia, I believe. Right? Yeah, our first <laughs> guest from Australia. So we're, we're, we're growing. So this is exciting for us and exciting for you because I think what you have to offer can help a lot of our guests that are listening. And, and this isn't a paid thing. This is something we asked Mark to come on because we thought that would be a benefit to our listeners. So yep. thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it, Mark. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Okay. Have a good day. See you later. Bye, Mark. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 